and welcome to this episode of the Book of Mormon. And I'm Dan Hogan. Um, when I first started this podcast, my entire intention was to try to be neutral as a technically Mormon, uh, since I'm inactive, but I never resign my membership from the church. Um, I'm finally done with trying to do that. I, I've tried to be fair and I'm, I'm not going to just slam everything, but I just want you to know where I am at and what is my personal truth as it comes to the church. All right. So last year, if any of y'all saw that, um, Netflix series or correction, Hulu series under the banner of heaven, um, that is what got me started looking at the Mormon church again. And I'm going to say Mormon because I'm not beholden to Russell M. Nelson and his dislike for that word. Uh, so Mormon, Mormon, Mormon. Um, I don't think it's hurtful in any way. And it's not intended to be derogatory. That's just what they were always called until he took the helm. Um, but anyway, uh, that got me to looking at things. And for a little bit, I was looking at going back to the church. If I could have, if my work schedule had been agreeable to it, I might have gone back. Um, but the more I go down the line, the more I am glad that that did not happen. Um, look, I will, I will, with the first vision experience, let me just first say, I believe Joseph Smith had an experience. Now, what that experience was, and if it was induced by anything, I'm not willing to say, because I've had some experiences in my life that I cannot uh, reconcile. I don't know why they happened or what power was behind them. So because I have personally had those kind of experiences, it wasn't somebody coming to me and telling me, you know, about golden plates or anything, but because I've had experiences I can't explain. I am willing to cede that Joseph Smith himself had an experience. Um, what it was, I don't know. I'm not willing to say. Uh, but that is pretty much where it all stops. Um, there's a lot of things I have issues with. Uh, if y'all go back to my temples and missionaries uh, episode, okay, so I do have a big problem with sending 19 and 20 year old kids out to try to convert people to the church. Um, I just don't know how you send somebody that doesn't have any worldly experience, who is still wet behind the ears, who doesn't know much about anything in life yet, and try to convert them to a church or convert somebody from a church that they might have been, if they're Baptist, for example, you're trying to convert them to the Baptist church. If they're 60 years old and you're trying to convert them to the Baptist church, I just don't see that happening. And it's not fair to send a 19 or 20 year old kid out who's had six weeks of training or two weeks or whatever it is at the MTC out in Provo or wherever the any of the other MTCs to try to send them out and get them to try to convert people. Uh, what is a 20 year old going to be able to tell a 50 year old person about religion when that person's been believing it all their lives? Yes, you're, you're going to be better off with a person who is inactive or who is non-religious, but it's you're putting kids into situations that they don't have the experience to deal with, uh, getting doors slammed in their faces, uh, just having to argue religion with somebody who's been doing it for years. It's just inherently wrong. I've seen senior missionaries. I've been up to Nauvoo, but all the senior missionaries, none of them were proselytizing. A couple worked in the blacksmith shop. One couple worked in the, um, over at the ox carts, giving ox cart rides. Um, they didn't proselytize at all. They were just 
They'd probably been members of the church all their lives and they were retired and they didn't have anything else to do. So they went on a mission to Nauvoo to run ox carts. The younger missionaries that were doing things like the cobbler shop and some other stuff, it was a lot of proselytizing in that. It's like, I just wanted to take my kid and see how they made shoes in 1830. We still got that, but we got a lot of proselytizing with it too. My daughter doesn't care about that. My daughter wants to see how they made shoes. She's more concerned with pioneer type stuff than she is with religious stuff. Um, with temples, in order to get a temple recommendation, you have to not only be a member of the church, but you also have to pay tithing. So the church's policy or doctrine is that in order to go to heaven, you have to have the uh, temple endowment. But in order to get the temple endowment, you have to have a temple recommend. In order to get the temple recommend, you can drink coffee. And I've already expressed how I felt in coffee in another episode. And you have to pay your tithe. So basically, what it boils down to is prosperity doctrine. If you pay your tithe, then you get those blessings. That's the same BS that these televangelists, Robert Tilton, Benny Hinn, and all them jokers on TV talk about. Send us your money and you'll get, and they use some convoluted scriptures in Job that don't even make any sense and don't bring up anything about a vow of faith or something like that to get people to send them money. And people will go broke thinking that all their blessings are going to be answered because they sent this televangelist money. That's all it is. Paying your tithe to the church who has one, like billions of dollars in the bank, which is why they're building so many temples, which I'll get into in just a minute. But they have so much money in the bank. They don't need your money. And moreover, the Bible says in multiple places, and even the Book of Mormon says that it's it's by grace that you get into heaven. It's not by the, it doesn't say anything in the Bible or the Book of Mormon about a temple endowment. Um or getting married or anything like that. It's grace and repentance and things like that that they bring up. The temple endowment was something that came subsequent to the Book of Mormon. Uh, so with the billions of dollars the church has gotten to the bank, when I was a kid and I joined the church, there were temples, but I don't think there were any more than 50 around the world. Most of them were in Utah. You had one in Switzerland. You had a few here and there. But the reason the church is building so many temples is because nonprofit organizations are only allowed to have so much cash on hand. They are not limited to how much real estate they may own. Uh, I saw this in the Scientology series that Leah Remini did, that they interviewed a guy that worked for the Church of Scientology. He got sent to some church somewhere to put in a whole bunch of TVs, and he was an IT guy. He knew how to do that stuff. He did AV and IT and all that stuff. So he was sent to a church somewhere to go put in a whole bunch of new systems. He said he arrived at the church. The doors were unlocked. There was nobody there. And there was all this equipment and stuff that was just out that could just be seen, but nobody was there. Um... He said the reason they did that, even if the church wasn't being used, is because the church was only allowed to have so much money on hand. They can only have so much liquid cash. Everything else has to be tied up in something that's tangible, real estate, electronics. So the Church of Scientology, instead of giving money to the community or to the needy, would take and they would buy more real estate and buy more equipment and just put it up. That way they wouldn't have to give anybody the money. 
the Mormon church is doing the same thing with all these temples that are being built. That's why there's such a building spree for temples and there's like so many of them announced right now is because they are only allowed to have so much money in the bank. So they build temples instead of give. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that the church does not have charitable things and they don't give any money to anybody, but that's why they're building so many temples. They own the largest cattle ranch in Florida. They own real estate. The temple real estate is that alone. They're just hiding their money in real estate and buildings and furniture and whatever else goes into the temple. So that's one thing that I've got a major problem with. Um, the coffee, I've already mentioned that before. It's like, they almost got me again. They almost got me again. So I, I had something that just came to me one day. I was looking in the fridge out of my garage. I was about to grab a beer and something just said, you need to stop drinking. It wasn't a voice. It was just a feeling that said, you need to stop drinking. So I stopped drinking. I haven't had a drink of alcohol in more than a year. In 2023, I did not have a drink. And I have not had any since that happened. And I had prayed on the coffee thing because I enjoy having my first cup of coffee in the morning. Um, I went to the doctor and I was having some issues sleeping and with some anxiety and some other things. And he recommended that not only do I get accustomed to my CPAP, which I finally got a new mask for and it's working well, uh, and that I had just gotten before that appointment, but also that I cut out the caffeine. I did not realize that caffeine stays in your system for eight to 10 hours after you drink it. And I was having my last cup of coffee somewhere between 11 and one o'clock in the afternoon. And because of my work schedule, I have to get up really early. So I kind of took that as a sign to stop drinking coffee. The doctor never said stop drinking coffee. He just said I need to reduce my caffeine. But then I let my head twist it into one thing or the other. I've decided against that because I can get decaffeinated coffee because DNC 132 is not clear on hot drinks and I do not believe it means coffee or tea because the church still allows hot cocoa and herbal tea. If it's hot drinks, it's all hot drinks or it's no hot drinks. But I do not believe it means that. I believe hot drinks refers to the burning sensation that you can get from strong liquors, whiskey and that kind of thing. It burns as it goes down. That's my interpretation of hot drinks. So I'm weaning myself off the caffeine because the doctor recommended it, but I'm not going to quit drinking coffee because I like coffee. And I don't think God is going to keep me out of heaven because I like to drink coffee. I do not believe that any of the revelations Joseph Smith had in Doctrine and Covenants were legitimate revelations because I don't believe anybody has that many experiences. I've had a couple of weird experiences in my life. I'm almost 42 and I've had a couple of weird experiences I cannot explain. He just had a series of them because he called himself a prophet. In my viewpoint, anybody can be a prophet because anybody can have that epiphany or that thing that helps them or changes something in their life. And because I have told y'all about that, I'll tell you exactly what mine was. I've been reading a lot of philosophical books at the time and my mind was open to different things. And I was leaving my house to go to target on my day off. I did it all the time. Well, the way our, the road to target is structured. When I first turn onto that road, it doesn't have a turn lane until you get much further down. So I always stayed in the outside lane. As soon as I made the right hand turn onto that street to go to Target, 
I heard a voice clearly in my left ear, just a whisper go, get in the left lane. I heard it clearly, get in the left lane. I did not mess around with this. I heard something say get in the left lane, so I got in the left lane. About a mile up the road, I get to a stoplight, and I'm the second car in the inside lane. There's one car over in the outside lane. Out of the corner of my eye, I see a large something in the mirror. I look over, and it's a semi-truck, and I said, man, he's coming up fast. I looked over my shoulder, and I got a better view. I was like, man, he's really coming up fast. And I looked at the car in the other lane, and it's like, he's going to slam into her. But I didn't have enough time to get out of my car, warn her to pull up and get out of the way. But there was a driveway right behind that girl's car. That truck came up, pulled into that driveway and onto the sidewalk, missed her by about a foot and knocked over a crosswalk sign. And I attribute me not being right behind her and blocking that driveway to that one voice. What was it? Who was it? I don't know, but I cannot explain it. Which is also, again, why I cannot discount Joseph Smith having an experience that maybe not all the churches were true, but everything else that came up. Because when you're trying to sell your religion, if you say God and Jesus came down and talked to you, which wasn't even the right thing to begin with, he there were like four different visions, uh, four different versions of the first vision. Um, so... <laughs> I can't discount that, but everything in DNC and a lot of it is just like, you need to give me your money. Oh, look, God says I can have more wise than Emma. If you don't move out the way and let me do this, God's going to destroy you. I call bullshit on all the DNC because there's literally some that just say, you need to give me your money. That's what it boils down to. Oliver Harris, you sell your farm and you give me that money so we can print up the Book of Mormon. Easy explanation for that. Joseph Smith didn't have the money, so we said God told him to tell Oliver uh, Martin Harris, not Oliver Harris, Martin Harris to do it. So I've got problems with that. With the temples themselves, they're beautiful buildings. I will not deny that. But the fact that a person cannot go in, if some person arbitrarily deems that they are not worthy for any number of things and can take the recommendation and can basically keep them out of heaven is bullshit. I believe the church would be better served. And let me go back. Let me not start with it. With, with temple marriages, for example, if you get married and let's say you come from a mix, you're a child of a mixed faith marriage, or you join the Mormon church on your own when you're an adult, then you marry someone, you marry another Mormon and you get married in the temple, but your parents aren't members. They can't come in for your wedding. So you have to do another ceremony or not do one, depending on the church's viewpoint on that. I'm not sure what it hurts by allowing people to come in and see the temple ceremony unless you just don't want them to see whatever goofy shit they've got going on in there. The only reason you would keep other people out is to hide what you are doing. Not that it's necessarily nefarious or anything like that. You just don't want to scare people away before you have a chance to bring them into the church. You're okay scaring them in because all you care about is the numbers. If the church claims they have 17 million members, that's just the people that haven't resigned. That doesn't mean the people that don't go. I still have a membership number because I haven't resigned the church and I'm still wrestling with whether I should or not. I did not have a bad experience in the church, but a lot of people have. There's, It's a high demand religion. I'm not willing to call it a cult. I am willing to call it a high demand religion because it requires a lot of you. 
a lot of your time and it gives somebody the power to make decisions for your salvation. Oh, you masturbated. You can't go to the temple now, which means you can't get into heaven. Oh, you drank a cup of coffee. Now you can't get into heaven. Look, sexual things are natural. It happens. People are going to discover things about their body and suppressing it is not healthy. I do not agree with that. People are going to touch themselves. It's going to happen. People are going to slip and have a cup of coffee. It's going to happen. That does not keep them out of heaven. And then you're going to say that God is going to break up your family in heaven because of this, that, because of a cup of coffee or because of masturbation or something like that. But if you don't get a divorce and your husband was an asshole and beat on you, if you can't, God is going to make you deal with him in eternity. Even if he's a good, in the church's eyes, he doesn't do this or that, and he doesn't drink and he does all this other stuff. But at home, he's beating your ass. But he's going to get into heaven and you're going to be stuck with him. That's garbage. God is not going to make people stick it out with people they don't want to be around. If somebody is toxic in your life, why would God, make, and he knows God is going to know this, God is not going to make you stick it out with him in heaven. My sister once asked me, it's like if my daughter wanted to join the church, what I let her. And it's like, well, number one, if she was old enough, it wouldn't be my decision. And number two, if she found peace in it, I would be okay with it. But as I have, that was last summer. As time has gone on, I am not in that position anymore because the church my only children are girls. I have a foster daughter and I have my biological daughter. The church is going to say, you can't do this and you can't do that because you're a woman. It's bullshit. Absolute bullshit. I'm not going, no, I don't want her to be there. And I don't want her to get married to some man that's going to pull that. Well, I'm the priest holder card on her. No, that's garbage. I'm married to a strong, independent woman, and I want my daughter to grow up to be a strong, independent woman. They can get along without me. They don't. By choice. But they could. And I want my daughter to be that way. I don't want her to have to rely on a man for everything, especially not for her salvation. Anything else in religion, as far as... There's planets and you become a king. If you go to the celestial kingdom, I'm, I'm willing to accept that there are multiple levels of heaven. I'm willing to accept that you become exalted. Okay, because it's religion. Nobody knows what the hell actually happens because nobody has as yet come back with a verifiable experience of after death that says that, that, that there is a heaven. You can't verify it. It's not verifiable. We're all going based off of faith. So I'm not going to buy in, though, that on in the temporal plane that my daughter is just not equal to a man uh, because she is. Um, polygamy. Yeah, we all know about polygamy. Um, the historical polygamy on Earth. Brigham Young had like 50 wives. Joseph Smith had like 30-something wives. Um, the church says they don't practice it, but they do. Um, it's not a temporal, it's not an earthly polygamy, but it is a spiritual polygamy because if your wife dies, if you're a male and your wife dies, you can be sealed to that second woman. 
as well as your first wife. So it's not just an earthly marriage, it's a spiritual marriage. So they are practicing spiritual polygamy and not earthly polygamy anymore. It doesn't mean they're not doing, they're, they're still practicing polygamy and they're practicing polyandry. Because if I'm not mistaken, that same woman, if she was married before, she can be sealed to the second husband, which means she'll be sealed to two husbands. Now, I don't know exactly how that works, and I might be wrong on that. I will eat, eat bite the bullet if I'm wrong on that one, but I know that a man can be sealed to two women. Baptism for the dead. I used to, I had a viewpoint on, and I still kind of do, that if you get baptized for the dead, if the church is true, then what does it hurt? Because that person gets the opportunity to accept or deny that religion or accept or deny that baptism in the afterlife. But where do they get permission to get baptized for a person? Now, if I were to go in and get a temple recommend and I wanted to get baptized for my grandfather who died last year because I am his grandson, I could do that. Um, but my, I've got another grandfather that has been baptized, a great-grandfather, but who approved his baptism? There are no people on that side of the family that I know of that uh, are members of the church. But do does after a certain time, do they just say, oh, we don't need permission, we'll just get baptized for them, and they can accept it or deny it? It's, it is, uh, John DeLynn said in a woman's story, it's true. It, it, it honestly is. Um, if a person didn't want that faith in their life, the only reason they would want it in death is because the church is true. But we don't know that the church is true. But I also don't believe that if the church is false and you get baptized for the dead, that God is going to punish them. But that's the whole thing, though. If the church is false and you get baptized, you get baptized for the dead. And God does punish you for that person doing that. So are you screwing them over in the afterlife? We don't know because we cannot prove any of that. Um, so yeah, basically, the thing is, part of me wants to resign from the church and just be done with it. Part of me wants to stay in because I get access to certain genealogical things that I like to do. And part of me is, if the church is true, I don't want to rescind that baptism in the event that it is true. So I'm in quite the conundrum. But I also don't want to be bothered by the missionaries always asking if they can come share a message. No, I can read the Book of Mormon on my own. I can read the Doctrine and Covenants in the Bible on my own. I don't know what message you're going to share with me that I haven't already found in there. I'm a pretty good interpreter of scripture. At least I believe I am. Some, a lot of people wouldn't agree with that. But what are you going to tell me as a 19 year old who hasn't done anything when I'm 41 years old? And have a lot more experience in my belt and a lot I've had I've got a lot of experience in a lot of different things. Some of it has made me wonder about the existence of God. But then some of it just kind of makes me feel comfortable that there is a God, but that he's not necessarily balancing my salvation on any one religion, but on who I am as a person. 
so yeah that's where I'm at that's my truth I, I cannot go back to the church as much as I would like for because the church is true in some respects they do have strong family values they are really good people in the church yeah there's some dicks in the church I get that there's going to be dicks in every church but it is true in certain aspects of what a church is supposed to provide family, community, moral standing, uh, moral leadership. And I, I, I'm good with that. I don't agree with all of it because a lot of my, my positions now, I cannot reconcile with where the church is at. So I don't know what I'm going to do. If you got any recommendations, if you have left the church, Email me at bookofmormonand at gmail.com. Spelled all out, bookofmormonand. All one big clump together word at gmail.com. Email me. Give me your thoughts on it. If you're an active member and you have made it this far in this in this podcast, email me. Let me know what you think. I don't care if you pray for me. I'll tell you all that now. If you all want to pray for me, go right ahead. I'm just not sure I want to go back to the church and honestly... I don't want to be rude to the missionaries either because they're young guys and they don't mean any harm. They're they're doing something they believe in, or at least I hope they believe in. I hope they're not out here just trying to build their faith more because they're having a faith crisis. I'd hate for them to be doing that on their mission. But I don't want to be rude to them either. So I am in quite the conundrum as to what I should be doing. So if y'all got any thoughts, please constructive only. Don't just be an asshole and call me an apostate and all this other stuff because I've been wrestling with this for a while. I've read the Book of Mormon all the way through once. I just finished uh, Amos, or Alma, not Amos, Book of Alma the other day. So I'm working on Helaman now. I'm reading it. I'm praying over stuff, but the prayers just aren't being answered. And I'm very open-minded, and I try to get myself prepared to pray because I know that messages can't come during them because I've had those experiences before. But email me. Let me know what you think if you want to. You don't have to, but I'll be waiting. But that that is this is my truth. This is not anybody else's truth. I've just got a lot of problems with the church, and I can't reconcile where they're at and where I'm at. Uh, so take with this what you will. I do have some other projects to kind of expand this podcast later on. Um, should be starting that up in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, but that's it. That's my truth right there. Uh, there will be other episodes coming, like I said, but I've got to get some things in order first. But uh, this has been another episode of the Book of Woman, and I'm Dan Hogan. Thanks for listening.